What up, mere mortal listeners? Welcome to another book review. Today, I'm getting a little bit philosophical. I'm going deep. I have for you Republic by Plato. Now, I'm going to do this in two sections. One is going to be the book review, and then the second will be a follow-up, which is, has more of my sort of rambling, looser thoughts to it. But this one will be a, a strict book review, and I hope you get some pleasure out of it, get some learnings, which, uh, you know, it took me a while reading it to, to get these, these imparts, impartments of wisdom, I'd, I'd say. So, this was part of my reading challenge, and this was the, the final book that I read solely for the fact of like I needed to get it on my final day I was finishing the final pages of this book so that will put a little bit of a spin on or the reason of 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 this review and maybe just worth taking that into account right at the start so let's dive in the book was published or written in about 375 BC and is was in the middle period of Plato so in his period where he had a, a bit more understanding of the world and was a little bit older and basically, it's of, this, of Socrates debating with his friends and also with some antagonists about a couple of themes, three main themes in general. One, what is the nature of justice? Two, how would this justice be formed in a, a large scale? So, in a republic, which is what the book is named after. And then the third one is, I guess, a little treatise on the different types of of forms of government and how and how he personally views them now it's in a very similar style to phaedo and crito which i previously reviewed in the trial and death of socrates and in this version socrates is is i guess the alter ego of of plato it's it's much more plato using socrates as a vessel for his own ideas rather than i think in the other ones were sort of biographical in a way where it was just describing this is what socrates is like in a person this book is also way 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 bigger than any of the other dialogues so let's dump in uh, jump in to some of the themes first the nature of justice now this is <laughs> going to be tricky to talk about and the reason is was because it wasn't explicitly defined in any sort of place at the start there was there was a couple of arguments by some of his interlocutors who were basically saying uh, they came up with two ideas one justice is the returning of debts owed and helping of friends so it's sort of giving back to the world and doing what is right uh, for you in that sort of sense the other which was a more i guess less compassionate view of justice from a it was like an, a, a sort of arrogant young man was the context behind it which was what is most advantageous to the stronger so justice is whatever whoever is the stronger person and they can impose their will on other people that is what justice is which would indicate that if you could rob someone and get away with it that is the most just and he was referring in some places here where he was saying you know, a, a person who steals money from a charity who does all these bad things and somewhat gets away with it is a just person. Whereas someone who, from the Socrates' point of view of, of justice as doing good things in the world, not doing harm, but they could still get a bad reputation, that is that is injustice, that is not justice. Now, Socrates sort of, uh, he, he attacks these arguments and he makes some good arguments against them, but I wouldn't say he definitively puts them in their place, although 
once again, it, it sort of appears that way just with the style of the book, uh, the way the book is written. And I'll, I'll get to that in some of the ob- observations. So hang around for that. But I, I suppose my main problem with this section was, yeah, there was never an explicit definition, which is something Guan and I both use uh, a lot in our conversations, which is to make sure we're talking about the same thing. We need to be on board with exactly what it is we're talking about, or at least make an attempt. And Socrates, I guess, makes an attempt, but it's such a long and meandering way of getting to it, um, you know, uh, two, uh, like a hundred pages of, of writing just to somewhat get to a, a place doesn't really cut it for me. But essentially, it is something along the lines of conditions that give rise to his republic and philosopher kings. So, he bases his argument that justice in a person would also reflect justice of the state and vice versa. So, if you have a really just state, you can have just people in it. So, that's essentially what gets him to start talking about his republic, which is the second theme. And the nature of philosophers who, in his eyes, they are what is required to actually make this republic work. So, it's and essentially for them, it's finding the true reality, which he talks on a little bit. I would have really actually liked to have learnt more about Plato's descriptions of what reality actually is. And he sort of does get to this, but once again, it's it's not the full the full deep dive into it where he stays on course and really focuses and narrows in on a thing. One of the things I noticed was he would deviate along these different paths. He'd go talk over here for a bit, then go talk over there. And you never really, I, I think, captures coherently exactly what he's talking about. He does, have, however, have uh, multiple allegories and I guess like the practical training required for the the emergence of these philosopher kings. So, some of these uh, allegories are very famous, such as Plato's Cave, where he's describing, it's almost like different levels of reality. So, people in a cave looking at shadows on the wall and then they look at, you take a step back and it's, okay, these shadows are formed by objects in the cave and then you take a step back and it's like, okay, those shadows are formed because of the light entering, hitting this object, then being thrown onto the wall of the cave. And he's talking about how people essentially can climb out of that state of ignorance to these different levels of reality, but you're always going to be bounded at some certain point, whether that is you reach outside of the cave and then you start seeing, you know, reflections of the water and then you see the sun and it, it's, it's, it's such a intriguing uh, allegory that it is so famous because actually reading the book, I, I didn't, I wasn't impressed by it. And a couple of his other categories as well. And, you know, he, he gets into some strange places uh, as well. But once again, I'll, I'll try and stick to the to the actual themes. The other was the practical training, which was required. So he it's essentially came down to saying to be a philosopher king, you need to do three years of gym or in, in the wars, two of philosophy, 10 of mathematics, and then fives of dialectic, which is it's not debating, but it's along similar lines of debating in the search of the truth, but not debating just to win arguments because you can. This finally leads on to the five types of regimes, and he talks about the different states of politics and why his republic would be the best among these. And they're pros and cons as well. So he goes, 
he essentially starts and he has a, a drop down list of of the best going to the worst. And the actual this was really intriguing to me. So the best for him was uh, arist- aristocracy, then democracy, then oligarchy, then democracy, and then finally tyranny. So it's interesting that he put democracy only just above tyranny, whereas something like aristocracy, which nowadays you don't see that much of. I don't think there's many. King, uh, countries in the world which actually have a king who rules it solely. There are some, obviously, and I think these are mostly in the Middle East. All the others, like England, and I think most of the Scandinavian countries have transitioned out of you know rulers of being an aristocratic class. They still have kings and queens, but it's more a sentimental... Uh, I guess, like aside, they they they, I they might have some power, but it's certainly not full power. And yeah, it was just really interesting to see that democracy was so low down on his list. And he points out, I guess, you know, a lot of the reasons, and there are a lot of reasons why democracy is a a crap system. But I think what Churchill said it best, where he was saying, you know, democracy is unfair, cruel, shit in general, but it's the best that we have. I think it's probably best to see political organizations and forms of government in that sort of way nothing is going to be the best and you probably just want to choose the one that's the least worse so yeah very interesting to see that democracy which he complained about in his day is actually well what we would call in the west the best form of government and i think there's a very good argument in in favor of that but he was not impressed with it the other thing was it just overall, it seemed like a little bit of armchair philosophizing. He said of all these things of how good his republic is going to be. He said how amazing the world would be, how this would be the most just system. and But he didn't really talk about how you would implement it, how this would fare against the other types of, of general human nature, of why it's... I guess the best way of doing things. So I found a lot of problems uh, with his actual style and and yeah, that'll get into some of my own observations. So my observations, the same problems I had with the trial and death of Socrates. So his other dialogues, he's surrounded by flimsy yes men all the time, every single time. Oh, Socrates, yes, you're so wise. Oh, Socrates, yes, this argument. There was literally one paragraph where the guy flip-flopped where from one sentence to the other with... Or one sentence from Pla- uh, from Socrates, from Plato. And I just found it ridiculous. I just found that that's such a crap way of, of espousing your ideas. And it, it just really made me question how much value you, you can actually get from a text like this where the, the people in it are, there's no pushback. He just gets free reign to say, say whatever he wants. And of course, if you get a full book to say whatever you want, you're going to come across as as looking good. There's, there's no doubt about it. So that that was one problem I had. The other was it, once again his explanation of his base assumptions. He didn't dive into them. He didn't go deep enough, and it just left me wondering why why are you saying that this you you just flippantly sort of say this thing is the best, and he doesn't dive deeper into why it is the best. Why, for example, one of them was things that are change that change are, are bad and so you want things to stay the same I, I really just can't see why that is such a good why that is always good if you look at the world everything is changing all the time 
you could make an argument from nature that because everything changes in nature, that is what is good. So it's just, yeah, once again, I just left me frustrated, frustrated not knowing exactly uh, his base assumptions, not knowing exactly what he was trying to argue. And that was just my impression of the book overall. He just, he sort of went around in circles and deviations and he didn't stick to a single focus and nail in on it, which is what I thought philosophy actually was. The more of these philosophical books I'm starting to read, the more I'm, I'm realizing that they're, they're not as wise as I thought they were in the sense that I thought I would read one of these and I would come away just totally agreeing, saying, yes, there's no other logical explanation for why this is this way or why this could be different. And that's that's not what I'm coming away with at the moment. It's surprisingly progressive in many ways. Uh, he, for example, his guardians of the state, he didn't restrict them to being only men. He, they could be women as well, which was quite intriguing in, in a time where women were, you know, essentially slaves. They didn't have a lot of the freedoms uh, that they do nowadays. So he was surprisingly progressive in many ways, which um, struck me through the book. My main problem was the midway I just lost, I, I started to get lost. I, I found that he wasn't focused enough and it couldn't keep me focused enough as well. So I was going through these periods where I just, I was reading it, but I wasn't understanding. And it got me thinking, is that my fault? Is that me not understanding? Or is that Plato's fault because he's not communicating well enough? I've alternated between both of these in the past where I thought I'm so stupid, I can't understand this. It's all my fault. Then I've thought, oh, the it's the author's fault. They're not communicating their idea. If they're not, if I can't understand the book, that's shit writing on their part. So it's their fault. It's probably a bit of both. It's probably a bit of accountability on my part. I, I, I definitely was at the start of the book was a lot more careful, taking a lot more notes, and then towards the later end, I was just trying to read it to finish it. And that's not a good way to read things. Just just to be able to read it for the sake of reading it is is a pretty terrible reason to to actually be reading something. So my summary in general, it was hugely influential and a pivotal book that requires attention and work. You can't, this isn't a sort of book you can just read flippantly and think, I've got it. <laughs> no, you have to, you have to seriously consider what his ideas are and what he's trying to say. And the problem is it, it's so long and so full of deviations that I found it really hard, especially in the latter half of the book to stay focused and know what he was talking about so for me it was largely not enjoyable but it did provoke some insights and i'll, I'll talk about them in the next video of of the same sort of th series but overall i'm going to give it a five out of ten republic by plato i feel this is maybe one of those books where you just need to read it a couple of times or read it, mull over it, give it 10 years and then come back to it. That's that's sort of the feeling I got from it. So while a harsh rating, it was my rating at this point in my life and maybe that would change. Who knows? Something pragmatic. Uh, yeah, like I mentioned, I should have a bit more compassion for myself and for, for the authors as well. Just because I don't understand a book doesn't mean it even has to be someone's fault. Maybe that's just the way it is. The way they wrote, their style doesn't resonate with me and that's a good learning as well. So, uh, don't. I, I think I should not spin things in a negative way just because I don't understand. There should be reasons for that. Maybe some of those reasons are mine, some of those reasons are theirs, but in the end, it is what it is. So, I hope you enjoyed this book review. What were your thoughts of Plato's Republic? If you have read them, would you 
Have you found any particular insights into the nature of justice? Have you found anything that you think would, would uh, I don't know, make the world a better place that really captured your attention or an idea that was something different? So leave that in the comments if you're watching on YouTube, if you're listening to it via audio on any of the podcast platforms, you can reach out to me on Instagram, have a discussion there. But that is it for today. I really hope you enjoyed and look more... Look forward to more in the future. I like doing these book reviews. So that's it. Karen out.